As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. So glad to be with you once again. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome into a special crossover edition of the Sixers Talk podcast and Celtics Talk podcast. We're hearing up for this first round series. Danny Pommel's with you once again, joined as always by the level-headed one, Paul Hudrick. Our counterparts from the Celtics Talk podcast are Chris Forsberg and A. Sherrod Blakely. This is like when Batman and Robin were on Scooby-Doo with the Harlem Globetrotters. They're talking about my strings with that, Danny. You know that. <laughs> All right, like, look, we're all excited about this series. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as feisty. Like, Boston guys, we're going to try to be nice to you, Philly guys. Like, I don't know if the Celtics and Sixers. Listen to your last podcast. Don't try to dumb it down for us, okay? (laughs) We're from Philly. We can take it, man. Yeah, you guys had the teeth out in the last one. We'll probably tell you, but. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm I'm just going to ease in. Danny, how are you feeling about this series from a Philly perspective? Um, I'm not feeling great. I mean, you know what it is? The way I look at it, this is a, a, a story of two teams going in two different directions. I mean, you got the Celtics as the three seed, the Sixers as the six. Uh, Brad Stevens with a contract extension. People, you know, talking about Brett Brown leaving if he exits his first round series. The way Gentleman Sweep, like Sherrod put on the last Celtics Talk podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Kimball Walker coming back from the injury. Ben Simmons out with one. Joel banged up. You, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like the, the rotations just completely, you know, four guys who can put up 30 points as opposed to the Sixers being disjointed. So um, I'm not feeling good. I mean, does that enough of an explanation is to show how I feel about it. I mean, I just feel like it would be a lot better conversation, you know, had been been healthy, but as it stands right now, losing your best defender hurts a lot. You know what I mean? The guy who can distribute the basketball and, and set things up and be so versatile. It hurts. Paul, bring me back to earth here. We got to have a series. What, what, what do you got? What do you got for me? Well, I'll say this. I, I don't think it's going to be a gentleman's sweep. I do think it's going to be a battle. I, I, they have Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, when he is healthy, when he is right, which I don't know if he's going to be both of those things for an entire NBA playoff series because he's never been. But if he is, the Sixers are going to be in every game just because he can be that good. He can be that dominant. He's such a, a, an excellent two-way player. I mean, you saw last year in the Toronto series when he was off the floor, when he was on the floor, uh, the, 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 you know, the big difference. Like last year, they're playing Greg Monroe mm-hmm. against Toronto. Now you're <laughs> going to be playing Al Horford as the backup five. So that's going to make, you know, a big difference. And that's what I wrote about today is, you know, yeah, but losing Ben Simmons is huge. You, you can't understate that because of the season he was having, because of how well he played against Jason Tatum this year. You know, that's, it's a huge loss. But from a depth perspe- perse- perspective, they are much better. Um, with that said, yeah, I, mean, I just think, you know, what Danny already said, what are, you know, Boston is just so deep. You, you guys have, you know, four guys any given mm-hmm. night that can score 30 points. I mean, you can't replicate that. And the Sixers might not have enough to overcome that. So I, I don't feel great about it at all. 
But I do think it's going to be a more competitive series than maybe some people think. All right. We're, we're aligned because I think Celtics fans are getting a little too cocky. But, Sherrod, how are you feeling? I, I know you felt like this was going to be a breezy, easy sweep. I don't, I, I don't know how you're feeling right now. What do you, what do you think? You know what? I, I think the Celtics will win this pretty comfortably in terms of five games, maybe six, maybe, just maybe six. But to Paul's point, I think the games will be relatively close. But at the end of the day, uh, we're going to see more and more games where you're thinking like, damn, if only Ben Simmons would have been out on the floor for that possession. Damn, if only Ben Simmons would have been able to make that pass. We're going to see just how impactful Ben Simmons' absence is going to be for the Sixers. Because I'm telling you right now, if you put me, if you put a gun to my head and said, you either keep Ben on the floor or you keep him beat, which one are you going to take? I'm going to take Ben. And I'm going to take Ben because Ben helps you in so many, he checks off so many more boxes than Joel does. And to your point about Tatum, Tatum shoots about 30, 31% when he's guarded by Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm no Nostradamus or anything, but I think he's <laughs> going to be shooting a little bit higher than that over whoever the hell that Philly decides to throw out there. And to Danny's point earlier, Brett Brown. <laughs> Brett Brown. How are you going to do our main guy like that? <laughs> I love Brett as a person. I would love it as my second or third assistant. But listen. I've seen the process. I am not. I'm trusting the process is going to take Brett Brown out of the process if the Sixers are going to go anywhere beyond getting to the playoffs. That team, talent-wise, should have been better than the number six seed. I'm sorry. I how about this though? How about how about this though, Sherrod? There's people out there that feel that this is the ultimate built-in excuse for him to come back and, and stay with the team because Ben is hurt, because they things have been so disjointed with the injuries and the inconsistencies with that. Like, this is the perfect opportunity for them to continue to have him as the voice because he's been there for so long and continue to shepherd them into next season because he hasn't had a full complement of players. I need to know how Philly fans are feeling about that. I'm like, is Philly cool with giving him more rope here? Like, I feel like, no, yeah, right, Paul's on, on my side. Like, <laughs> no. I, I, I mean, I, I, this is fascinating to me. It's like, and, and again, I think Brett Brown is a really good coach. I just don't think this roster is constructed. I don't know if anyone could have success with it, but ultimately it's easier to change the coach than it is to change the players. Right. Paul, like, how much, t am I crazy to think that that, Without Ben Simmons, as much of a loss as it is defensively and obviously they're at some time, times offensively, like can Joel Embiid thrive? Because now he's got more shooters. The Celtics can't necessarily commit as much attention to him. I feel like they've been really good without Ben this season. And I'm not saying they're a better team without Ben Simmons, but is there a way that Joel Embiid can thrive in this series without Ben Simmons on the floor? Yeah, it's – it kind of everything we just talked about that all ties together because I think, you know, when we talk about Brett Brown, I do think that roster construction has a lot more to do with them being disappointing as coaching does not to say Brett Brown is perfect or the greatest coach in the world. But when you look at the fit of the trio of Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Al Horford, it's been a disaster offensively. They just, them coexisting has not worked out well. When you take one of those three guys out of the equation, it's been better. So to your point, Chris, when you do that, when you put Al Horford next to Embiid, but Ben Simmons isn't in the lineup, and I think we've seen a little bit of that in Disney World. I think Al has proven, hey, you know what? I can still play a little bit. I'm still pretty damn good at basketball. It's just the fit has not been great. And so from that perspective, yeah, I, I could see Joel maybe flourishing a little bit 
Um, I, again, I don't think, you know, Ben Simmons is an enormous loss, but offensively, yeah, I could see maybe, you know, it being a little bit smoother surrounding Joel mm-hmm. Embiid with four guys on the perimeter that can all shoot the basketball. I think that could help him to some extent. But I do think there's going to be some big defensive question marks that we just got done talking to Brett Brown. And he just, you know, someone asked him flat out, could Matisse Thibel work his way into the starting lineup? And Brett did not rule it out. So you look at a guy like Matisse and what he's been able to do this year, again, especially against Kemba, what he's been able to do. And then maybe you slide a Josh Richardson over to Tatum. That's a much better matchup than Al Horford going up against Tatum. Uh, and so I'm very curious to see how that's all going to play out and how that's going to work. But yeah, I just back to your original question, can Joel thrive possibly more offensively without Ben Simmons? Yes. I, I think that's, that's a realistic possibility. And I think at times, again, when that trio has been broken up, we've seen that go that way. Uh, Danny, I'm all over the map here, but I need to know your opinion. Al Horford's tenure in, in Philadelphia. Uh, are fans getting a little frustrated with what Al's been able to give? or like, Are they, they frustrated? Have... There's been a mutiny. The pitchforks and torches <laughs> outside the Wells Fargo Center. Um, Brett Brown made the adjustment, which many people were happy to see, of Al going to the bench and moving Shake Milton into the starting lineup mm-hmm. um, and bringing Al off as the sixth man. Because, like Paul said, the, the trio just has not been uh, as, as flush as you would have liked, particularly because – you got these guys all playing similar positions and Ben not shooting makes it so Al has to get forced to the outside and shoot more. And then you got uh, Joel and Ben operating in kind of the same space. Um, you know, one, and then all of a sudden you find out Ben's a great pick and roll guy, you know, to the degree that he is. And then they try to, you know, exacerbate that by putting them at the four. So it's just like, these aren't the problems that good teams have this late in the season. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the Sixers yeah. are a six seed because, they, they're having issues with fit and where Al Horford can play and who he can play on the floor with and how the rotation fits off the bench. And you got a guy like Alec Burks catching fire in the bubble. And suddenly he's like the sixth man of this team that's lost your best defender and still isn't quite sure how all these bench pieces fit. So uh, the Al Horford thing has been a big disaster. The only feather in the cap is that maybe he could be a conduit to getting something that does fit next season. Maybe he oh, could be a, a package ship with something else to get, you know, a guy that we batted around on the Sixers Talk podcast, Buddy Heel, maybe could, could fit in with this team or something like that. Sure. So what, now, what, what goes through your mind when you hear them saying that, that the Al tenure has been a disaster? Sure. Bottom line, Al was brought there to be an anchor. Now they're ready to take that anchor out of the seat and put it on someone else's ship and let, let him dock with them. Al, it's, it's to me, it, again, it Four years, back, 97? Four years, 97 million. You, you know what, though? Here's the thing. Al didn't, Al didn't put a gun to Elton or, or anyone at front of said, you better give me 97 million. He said, how much I want to pay me? How much I want to pay me? And they said, we're going to give you this. I was like, well, let me get this straight. I get to play with two all-stars and Embiid and Ben, who are both under the age of 25. I've got a roster full of guys who can, can knock down some shots. And y'all going to pay me how much? And we just lost Kyrie. And you got Tatum and Brown are coming up. They might be good, but I don't really know how good they are. Hell, neither one of them is an all-star. Philly's got two. Okay, where's the pen? Where's the pen? I'm ready to roll. It has been an absolute disaster upon disasters. It's yet another one of those moves that the Sixers are going to be thinking like, damn, Markel Fultz, 
Al Horford. Why do we even deal with Boston? Why do we even <laughs> rock with them? Why do we have anything to do with anyone that Danny Ainge is rocking with? Let's just say no. If there's a player that is even two, three, four, five, six degrees of separation with the Celtics, stay away. And Buddy Hill, I'd stay away from him because the Celtics brought him for a workout and they really <laughs> like him. I stay away from Buddy. Because I'm telling you, you add him to the roster, something will go wrong. And y'all be wondering, well, why is this not working? Because at some point, he was kind of in the Celtics' radar. Danny strikes again. And I ain't I talking about you, Danny Palmas. I'm talking about the other Danny, the green team Danny. I'm loving the energy right here. It's, it, you guys are fired up and crazy. All right, but, but let's bring this back. Paul, if, if, if the Sixers are going to compete in this series, what has to happen? Like, I've said, okay, MB goes supernova. Uh, maybe role players, like Celtics challenge the role players, and I, I hate to call Tobias Harris a, a role player, but, you know, maybe, maybe someone steps up on that bench. Like, what has to happen in your mind for the Sixers to make this a series? So, I mean, yeah, right off the bat, it's Joel Embiid. I mean, that's, to me, that's the biggest thing. If Joel Embiid, if he's that guy that was there that night in Boston that had that 38-point yeah. performance and put the Sixers on his back that night, if he can be that guy, which we know he can be, he's capable of being, if he can be that guy for multiple games, that clearly that gives him a really good chance of being in it. Uh, to your point, and, and what Danny already brought up, Alec Burks, that guy's yeah. been a godsend for them because they just don't have shot creators. And he is that. He is a really good shot creator. And he went up to another level in, in Orlando. He was excellent. Um, I think he was over 20 points a game the last four games in the bubbles. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, uh, Brett Brown keeps referring to him as lightning in a bottle. And that's – they haven't had that kind of guy probably since what? Like Lou Williams? I mean, that's probably the last time the Sixers had a guy like that. So, the, he's going to have to be big. Uh, the, the Sixers are also counting on a lot of youth when you, fig, when you factor in – Shake Milton, you know, likely starting a point mm -hmm. guard. Matisse Thibel is a rookie, going to have to take on some big-time defensive responsibilities in his first playoff run. Furkan Korkmaz in his third season, he's still a young guy, and he just finally got this bigger role this year. So a lot of youth the Sixers are counting on, too. So, I mean, for them, it's just to me, like, everything's <laughs> – I hate to say it, but everything's got to go right. And Bede's got to be great. To your point, Tobias Harris, I think, has to step up. And he – again, he also has looked good in Orlando – but he's going to have to give him 20-plus points a night. Uh, Al Horford's going to have to keep making shots. Josh Richardson is going to have to keep making shots. And that's a guy we haven't even touched on yet. But he's going to have a huge defensive role in this series, and he's going to have to put up points too. So, it, to me, for them to even have a chance to win this series, Embiid has to be otherworldly, and everyone else has to make shots. I think that's the way they win the series. But, um, but it's not going to be easy. That's for damn sure. I do find it interesting you brought up Josh Richardson. Kemba was talking to us yesterday on a Celtics Zoom call, and I thought it was funny. He's saying he saw him against Miami in one of his few playoff appearances, made things difficult. We saw it this regular season. I think, you, I think the Sixers have the makeup with Thibault, with, with Richardson, to really make things difficult for Kemba. And especially coming off this knee injury, I'm not sure he's just going to be as great as we expect. So it's going to put pressure on Tatum, puts pressure on obviously on Brown, on Gordon Hayward to step up. Danny – Oh, what, what, Brown, uh, Gordon Hayward. I know. <laughs> like, no, Danny. This is the only thing. This, that, this is what I'm saying. Um, to piggyback on what Paul was saying, Chris, was that the, the one feather in the cap of the Sixers, I think, from the bubble time has been the three-point shooting. Right. So mm -hmm. if, if, if Joel Embiid can develop, which is the, the issue with him being in and out of the lineup, is you lose the fact that he was developing and passing out of the double team. 
and if these guys are shooting like 42% from three, that, that, that's a big feather in your cap, particularly against a team who can score a lot and, and can score in bunches and from different places like the Celtics. So if you combine Joel being otherworldly and then all of a sudden the Celtics are like, man, somebody else is going to beat us, and they send hard double teams at him, and he's finding guys who are knocking down threes. Like that's something that the Celtics haven't seen from this Sixers team in the past, particularly with Ben in the lineup when they were able to pack it in and dare him to shoot and attack the weak defenders like Marco Bellinelli and J.J. Redick and Ersan Ilyasova in past uh, playoff series. So I think that there is, like Paul said, a slither of, of hope. There's a, there's, a, there's a light that I can see gleaming. It's like Raiders of the Lost Ark. You're like looking and can't find it. But I think there is a way that the Sixers can beat the Celtics. I think that the Sixers will probably lose in six games, but that, it, there is something there. Shrod, hi, uh, what, has, what do you think is the biggest concern for the Celtics going into this series? Hey, dreams come into reach at Wilmington University. There's a local university that's ready to bring your dreams into reach. It's Wilmington University. WilmU helps working adults reach their career goals through accredited and affordable degrees and certificates to reach new heights in your field. WilmU works. Find out why at wilmu.edu. They're a different kind of team without Ben Simmons. And to Danny's point, they were one of the top two or three three-point shooting teams in the bubble. And so when you're shooting the ball that well and you've got a dominant force like Embiid, you're going to be a difficult team to beat. But here's the problem. They are a better team offensively. They are a tremendously worse team at the other end of the floor. And to Paul's point, excuse me, to Danny's point, you've got Hayward. You've got Tatum. You've got Kimba. You've got Jalen. You've got all these different guys that can drop 30 on you any given night, and no one in the building or watching it on TV will be surprised. How is Philly going to defend in this series? To me, that's they have to figure out a way to make this all about offense and make defense be a non-factor because if this game becomes a defensive-type series, this thing is over in four games because they don't have the type of defense that can really, I think, shut down all those different holes that the Celtics will create. And if you play a guy like Matisse Stiebel, who I love to death, coached by my boy Mike Hopkins up in Washington, former Syracuse guy, love <laughs> Matisse to death, he's not a very good shooter. And that's not a knock on him. Neither was Marcus Smart when he first came to the league, and he's become a lot better, and I think Matisse will too. But for this time, this moment right now, he becomes a liability with his offense because he's such a good defense. His offense isn't there yet. And so that's part of the problem that the Sixers are going to have. It's kind of like playing whack-a-mole. It's like the minute you think you, you, you took care of one thing, bam, there goes another problem. Whack that one. There goes another one. The Celtics are in a position where I worry most about them not taking this, the Sixers team as serious as they need to because if they do fall asleep with the will, they can crash. If they simply stay awake, this thing is over. And at the most, six – but more like four or five games. I, this is the thing I keep coming back to. Celtics fans are irrationally confident right now. I feel like I talked to my friends they're and they're like – always irrationally confident. They thought <laughs> no. they were going to be LeBron James back in the day. I, I, here's the thing. <laughs> like, throughout the season, I've said, Philly scares the hell out of me. And I, just because I feel like there's some weird, you know, vacuum of a universe where they figure it out. And all of a sudden, it just starts clicking. Ben, no Ben. I mean, like, they lose some other piece. They can still figure this thing out. And it, it, the talent is there, and yet I don't know if it'll happen. I thought it maybe happened in the bubble after the restart. It has not happened yet. All right, Dan, you said you said you said Celtics in six. I did, and it's funny. Um, you uh, to piggyback on something Sharar said. It's like <laughs> Noah Levick has a great article on our website 
that you said the Sixers don't have the defense to like match up with with all those players. Are that they? has been the overwhelming mantra for the whole season that this team was built defensively <laughs> for the postseason. Like that, right. just that has been what has been sold to the fans and the media for so long. And here we are, the irony that they are not built for the postseason defensively at this point because of injuries or what have you. But it's just such a uh, a twenty twenty uh, you know you know, self-fulfilling prophecy type thing where, you know, this team has been saying that for so long and then here comes the postseason and they're not ready defensively. But, like, Al on Jason Tatum. Um, uh, I, I, right, right. So you got Josh Richardson and Matisse interchangeably trying to guard Kimball Walker. Like, like uh, that all can't come out in the happy ending. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's just going to be – Celtics it will be. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, don't like, I don't like the theme of this podcast. Like, I feel like people are going to be – people in Philly are going to be queuing this thing up and being like, ha-ha, they were all wrong, wrong, wrong. See, but here's the thing. It's, you talk about Boston fans being irrationally confident. Sixers fans are already – like, they're like, all right, so after they, after they lose to the Celtics, let's fire Brett Brown, let's trade out. That's where everyone are – I'm telling you, that's where Philly fans already are. Like, that's where they are. Like, they, they really – I would say Sixers – like the the irrational confidence of Sixers of Celtics fan is probably outdone by the negativity and basically Sixers fans already resorted yeah. to the fact, right? Am I right, Danny? I mean, that's what it feels yeah. like to me. Like most most Sixers fans have already decided this is over. What well, are we doing to improve next and, season? And I think Sherrod and Chris need to understand how beat down Sixers fans <laughs> are by the optimism and the expectations, and then the the them falling short of those. Like mm-hmm. team is a six seed. And they look like a six seed. And, you know, before the season started, you know, we're going star hunting and, uh, you know, this is we're, we're championship or bust type mentality. You know, four bounces from Kawhi Leonard away from an Eastern Conference Finals berth or a chance at it, at least in overtime. So it, it just the, the Sixers fans have, have endured the process and been lost to the Celtics before when they thought they had confidence. So look, looking at the way things shape up and particularly – the lack of confidence in Brett Brown and the chess match with Brad Stevens, that also is something that people don't have confidence in. So it's not a lot of place for people to put their happiness. And the, the one si- thing about Sixers fans this year that they could always count on was that, you know what, when our boys come home, we're going to cheer them on. They're going to win because they have the best fans in the world. And look at our record. we got the best home record in the NBA. Oh, damn, we're in a bubble. We don't have home we're court. In a bubble. Oh, damn. The mm-hmm. one thing that Sixers fans could count on this season – no matter what the hell was happening, was we're going to show up, our team's going to get it done in our building, and we are going to have a chance at success. So in the playoffs, they're thinking all we got to do is steal one on the road, come back to our building where no one really wins there, and then we go to the bubble. No one has two. home advantage. And I don't care what anyone says about the Sixers. They are the one team that is going to feel the lack of home court advantage more than any other team in the bubble because they were the one team that relied on being in front of their fans to be successful. So we don't have Ben Simmons. We don't have home court advantage, but we do got Brett Brown. Mm. All I think about is opening night, Al Horford ringing that bell. That was awesome. I mean, that was like, awesome. I was like, and Celtics fans felt it, but then they said, you know, Philadelphia has to think about it. They could have uh, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Jason Tatum on their roster right now, and then it would be a perennial, <laughs> perennial contender. And how, how about this, Chris? Even though the Sixers were the six seed, 
the Celtics matchup was the one that people wanted. Yeah. They, they didn't want to play the Pacers or the Heat. They were, they were like, oh, we beat the Celtics three times during the regular season. We know this team. Like, this was the matchup people wanted. Am I right, Paul? Like, this is where yeah, people definitely. wanted them to definitely. Land. And when you look again, we, we talked about a bunch. When you look at what Ben Simmons was able to do against Jason Tatum, I mean, I think that was an overriding factor as well. And, you know, I, I do want to touch on the defense thing for a second because – I hear you. They were bad in the bubble. Um, and, but they were sixth in defensive rating during the regular season. And that was with guys in and out of the lineup and never really kind of quite figuring it out and coming together. And the, the last two games to me were really encouraging. The Toronto game and the Houston game, where I think like Al did an outstanding job against the, against the Occam. Mm-hmm. It's a great matchup for Al. Um, and then against Houston, they did, you know, James Harden is James Harden. He's going to do what he does. Good. He's going to get numbers, but they did a pretty damn good job against him and not letting him go off um, in that game. And they, and they really punished Houston on the other end. So I do think defensively, you're not that team that you saw early in the bubble that, you know, got, you know, let TJ Warren go for 53. I don't think you're going to see that team in game one against the Celtics. I think you're going to see something closer to what you saw against Toronto, what you saw against Houston, not saying they're going to, you know, I, the, the Boston Celtics have so much firepower and, you know, ultimately I think that's, what's going to win out but I do think you're going to see a, a completely different defensive team than what you saw early in the bubble for Don't sure. Don't forget the 51 from Lillard. Just, well, you know. Dave Lillard, who didn't play <laughs> Miller score 50 on in the bubble? So. Right. It's like, but it's, it's unusual for a team to have not one but two cats put a 50 <laughs> note on you in, in, in basically a couple of weeks. That's, right. that's, not, that's not normal. Defense in fairness, that's two of the hottest guys in the bubble. Yeah, I, and like, right. I get defense it. Defense right. scares the hell out of me. I just want to be yeah. clear. I'd like their defense. Like, if Philadelphia gets it going, they can really make things difficult on this Celtics team, especially a team that doesn't get to the foul line a whole lot, that doesn't really attack the basket all that much. All right, let's end on predictions. Not just this series, but like, give me your prediction for this series, and then tell me who's coming out of the East, Paul. Well, I, I like the Celtics. I'm going to say in six as well. Um, I, again, like we talked about, I think it's going to be a lot closer than some people think. I, if, if Joel Embiid can be that guy, they, they might have a shot. Uh, but I don't think he can do it for an entire series. So I think he, he is that guy for a couple games, and that's how they win. But, yeah, ultimately I, I see the Celtics, you know, beating the Sixers in the series. I don't see – to me it's still the Milwaukee. It's all about the Milwaukee Bucks for me. Mm-hmm. They, they have Giannis. You have Brooke Lopez playing at an unbelievable level on defense, protecting the rim. And I just – the way that team – you know, Chris Middleton the year he's having and his success against the Celtics, as you guys know. So I just think that they're a team that is just – they have, again, the best player in the conference, arguably in the entire league. Then you have a great complement in Middleton and the way they play together and the way they play defensively. I just don't see anybody in the East beating them. Sherrod, what do you got? Celtics in five. I think it's going to be – the series is going to be closer than the actual final five games. I think the Celtics will win by, like, an average of, like, four and a half points or something like that. So it'll be a gentleman's sweep, but it will not be a clean, crisp one. Uh, I see the Celtics coming out of the East. Uh, Milwaukee has had a great season. I just don't trust them. I, I just don't. Um, I don't trust Boonholzer, who I think is a very good coach. I'm not sure he's going to catapult them – past the Celtics who were playing, frankly, the best basketball that they played all season. And right now, this is the only time we've seen the Celtics at full strength where they got all their guys healthy. And when they've got all their guys healthy playing the way they are in the rhythm at both ends of the floor, uh, they're going to be very tough to beat. And there are always X factors, guys that we talk about that are factors, but maybe not necessarily frontline type guys. 
Robert Williams. I think he's going to be an X factor, which I should. Chris, I can't believe you did not move a muscle when I said Chris. When I said Robert Williams, that's that's like his guy. That's like the president. But you've been of the talking Robert about Williams rookies the whole right time and, and having lack of experience, and now you say Robert Williams. What's that? You you've been talking about guys and their experience and playoff success, like yeah. Matisse and Robert things like Williams, that. Robert Williams, Williams had a good thirteen minutes last year, so he's ready to go. He'll be ready for these playoffs. Uh, I, he he's just Sherrod has finally come around. I said for months Robert Williams could be an X factor. He's still shaking his head. I don't think he, he believes that he can actually be a playoff contributor, but the Celtics need as many. Oh, okay. I got it. Tongue in cheek. I got it. Yeah. But he might be riding me. But, like, here's the thing. I, I, I'm, I'm, I will go to the grave thinking Robert Williams can be a, a contributor on a playoff team. Danny, Rest what do you in got peace, in, Chris. What, what do you, Danny, what do you got in the East? Oh, in the East, um, it's funny. I think that the headbutt from Giannis was like an opening salvo to, like, the Eastern Conference, like, He's got a giant chip on his shoulder, bro. Like, uh, after what happened last season, I feel like he is a man on a mission. Um, I haven't liked the way I, – I, I would like them have, have been more together in the, in the bubble. Um, and I, I honestly – I look at Toronto, man, and just really – like, I don't want to like them, but I really do. Um, but if I had to pick, if you put my feet to the fire, I will go with the Bucks. Um, I feel like unlike other teams, which may have gained something from the layoff, they lost some stuff, but I still feel like they are deep enough and have enough uh, marquee players in order to make um, a push to the Easter Conference Finals and championship as well. Uh, but, you know, the Sixers, it's just – it's just uh, I'm really disappointed. You know, I'm from Philly and grew up watching this team and remember when my dad was out on Broad Street with the brooms when they swept the Lakers in the finals. And so, like – uh, it's been a while, and the process has been a lot, but we're still going to be on this process train as long as Joel and Ben are here competing for championships. But Ben not being with the team really disappoints me and is frustrating because I thought this was the matchup that they could use to catapult them to maybe some more success further on in the postseason. So, I, like I said, I Celtics in six. I see them catching the Celtics sleeping once you know maybe winning a mm -hmm. tight game on overtime or a buzzer beater or something like that to push it to six games but um I, I feel like boston has a good team but i will say this point you made Sherrod, about the celtics going far kemba's knee and him being limited to you know under 30 minutes here yeah. in these bubble games the what the style of game that he plays you know, the knee fluid and the swelling and things like it's just a, such a tricky area. That could be the thing which I think could be like the Achilles heel for the Celtics is his health. And, you know, they have rested them really well. But, you know, once once the minutes pick up and the intensity picks up and you're playing, you know, guys are picking you up full court. And you're going end to end. I, that's something that could worry me if I was a Celtics fan. Two yeah. Philly guys being rational, being like you know, <laughs> pessimistic about the series. I don't. I like. This I don't is know the what real us. About this. This I, is say, us, I have never been more concerned for the Boston Celtics. <laughs> While we wait to see how this all plays out, I need you to go like, subscribe to both the Celtics Talk podcast and the yes. Sixers Talk podcast. One of us is going on vacation. One of us is going to be down in Cancun. Three, two, one, Cancun. Uh, <laughs> but the other one will be sitting here talking about a second round playoff match. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we'll be back together. Maybe we'll be talking about a, a tight series, but I, I feel more likely that's going to happen now after you guys downplayed the, the Sixers. But all right. Dan I just want to gonna... send a shout out to John Henry too, Chris, and uh, Ben Ooh. Barry, our producer of the Sixers Talk podcast, and uh, two uh, great guys. So uh, we appreciate them.
Nice, nice. All right. We'll see how the series comes out. Monday night, NBC Sports Boston's got you. NBC Sports Philadelphia. Everybody tune in. We're going to see how this plays out. I think we got a series. Here we go. It, yeah, <laughs> you, you forgot more short. Hey, we'll short series. <laughs> on the Celtics Talk and the Sixers Talk podcast. Take care, everybody. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.